This is the Tribe Mastermind, where we talk business, purpose, and passion with your hosts, Jordan Muela and Steve Welty. If you're ready to shift into a bigger future, then this is the show for you. So plug in, buckle up, and get ready to be. Welcome, Tribe Universe, to another episode of the Tribe Podcast. Steve, excited to have you back from a new adventure out at Strategic Coach, tapping the the beautiful consciousness of Dan Sullivan, a guy that's been a longtime mentor for both of us and kind of stepping up your game. One thing I respect about you is your ongoing investment in personal development. It speaks to me in the same way that when I heard one of my mentors say, it's about investing in yourself more than in, in your business, that really that really spoke to me. And uh, you're one of the guys that I see actually leading on that front. So I want a trip report, man. We haven't talked since you got back. Like, give me the 411. Yeah, man. What's up? So I'm a little scraggly today. If you're watching on video, I didn't shave and I had to throw a hat on because my hair is a little jacked, but the trip was good. It was, uh, it was three days out in Toronto and this was the 10X program. So I did three years of the signature program at Strategic Coach and then decided to move up to the 10X program. And yeah, the, the theme for this year, I like to kind of have every year be a theme. And this year was <clears throat> personal development and investing in myself. And so I reconnected with kind of the old Brian Tracy mottos of, you know, spend 10% of your income on your, your development. And, mm. and uh, so I made that a goal this year. And so I've been looking at ways to deploy some money. And so did this, uh, did this step up, more expensive, more investment, farther away. Toronto from San Diego is, is a little bit of a hike, um, you know, East Coast. But <clears throat> I was kind of geeking out, man, at Strategic Coach World Headquarters, like seeing all the cool stuff, me and Dan. And uh, Dan's really cool. The whole team, <clears throat> just just being around those people. And they asked why I joined. You had to get up and tell people why you joined. And I just said, you know, I wanted to kind of raised the the level of um, just people I was around. Not not that like the people I was around at Signature Program were awesome people. And so it's not like a, a negative thing. It's just meeting new people that are even more ambitious and, and going deeper into, you know, the world of entrepreneurship and, and really maxing out life. And it did not disappoint. <clears throat> met some, met some really interesting people, came back with some cool concepts that I'm definitely excited to discuss today, man. So I have not been out to the mothership. Um, my meetings happen out in LA. I got, I've, I heard about strategic coach for a long time. So for those that don't know it, we don't want to be like overly assumptive. Strategic coach is a entrepreneurship mentorship program that is largely focused on the inner life of the entrepreneur. It's not about how to run a meeting or how to structure goals um, I mean, some of that stuff comes up, but it's more about just like the mental game of the entrepreneur and the, the fun, one of the fundamental ideas, at least what I take away from it is the idea that it's about attention over productivity. It's not about getting more done. It's about focusing on the things that actually matter and not the noise. And that's a endless goldmine for me that I can come back to over and over and over again. It's a message that doesn't get old and it's not something you can really master because as you level up, you need to hear that message over and over over and over again. So I got introduced to it through my dad, who was in the program maybe 20 years ago, 
long, long time ago. Oh, did it for a while. And um, then I've had a bunch of friends since then, a number of PMs that we know, folks in our community, folks in tribe. I'm thinking about Jock, Eric, me, you. Um, there's just a lot of folks that have been kind of touched by Clint. that program. Clint, yeah. Is that a really, Jake was in Jake. it for three years. Yeah. That, like, that's crazy. Like half the tribe. <laughs> yeah, <I know> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I haven't been out there, but I've been like, I've really wanted to actually go out to Toronto where they actually have the home base. But so before we even get into all the experience, like what was the actual setup like there? Like, did it feel like what you thought a st- strategic headquarters would look like? Yeah. It's super inspiring, man. Office goals, bro. Office yeah, goals. Yeah, baby. Like, feel good, look good. Like (laughs) the coolest quotes on the walls, just five star, like lighting, you know, food, the, the way you're treated, just, just really special. And, um, it's a great place to, to connect and just, and just get refocused on your thinking. So that's what it's all about. It's time away to think about your thinking Hmm. and kind of like, what you just said, attention over productivity. It's like, I don't want to get more done. I want to make better decisions about what few things to do, you know? Mm. And, and so stepping away, you know, allowed me to do that. And, and one of the, so I I came in and one of the first concepts we talked about really resonated with me because I had kind of instinctually, you know, he has this quote, right? When you walk up the stairs, it says, your eyes only see and your ears only hear what your brain is looking for. And so, so it's weird because I've, I was totally already tuned into this concept of who do you want to be a hero to? I just said it a little differently. So first concept we worked on was who do you want to be a hero to? And the talk I gave at Broker Owner, one of the ideas that changed my life was um, how can I help people the most? Like focusing mm. on that. And it's kind of the same concept. But the interesting thing that Dan added to it was you can only be a hero to so many people. And so... Um, narrowing the focus on who do you want to be a hero to? Like he had talked about um, this governor of a state wanted to like talk with him. And he was like, I don't really have any need to talk to you because I don't serve like bureaucracies. I'm not, um, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he was very clear about who he wanted to serve. And that was really uh, resonant for me at this point, because having stepped out of the operations for the most part, I'm just in, you know, the, the, management of people, the leadership of not management of people, but the leadership of people. And so I'm trying to get more clear on how can I impact my team to have a greater impact on my clients. And so we worked through some strategies with that. And um, some of it is just is just going through a DOS conversation with them. Like, you know, what are your dangers? What are your opportunities? What are your strengths? Doing the R factor question with them. And then seeing if you can help them or having outside people help them, but just getting clear. And it also comes back to essentialism, like we were talking about getting clear on who you want to serve. And then that allows you to say no to other things. Like, for instance, right now, I'm, I'm kind of juggling with some stuff, even with NARPM. Like, I've been on the board at NARPM forever. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, they didn't hit my list of top seven, like, you know, um, just like NARPM. I, I love NARPM, I've, but I've done a lot of years, but they're not in like someone I'm trying to become a hero to, you know? Mm-hmm. Just to be fresh, be straight up, you know? Priorities, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's personal in nature. Like it's not any kind of a judgment against any one organization. You just gotta, you gotta make hard, hard decisions. That I, I appreciate the fact that the essentialism book 
really addresses the disappointment factor, right? Like, so you have the epiphany of, oh, I need to say no, but then what about the game of just like managing the fact that you're disappointing people, you know, like it kind of, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's like obligation versus commitment. And so I feel like a little obligated to stay in this, you know, role at, at NARPM, but I don't feel committed as committed to it as much anymore. So, you know, that's just, it's just one example of things you look at at your life, but it's really easy to say, okay, well, that's not that much time. Let me just stick with it. But if we're going to get laser focused, this stuff adds up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel you. So, so you were there for three days? Yeah. So I got in Monday. By the way, I got in on the Raptors NBA championship celebration. Crazy. Which two million people in downtown. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was literally like it united the country. There's 38 million people, 36 or something in Canada and 2 million. That's like 5% or whatever. The population was there. And so, uh, so yeah, so that was uh, a lot of people there. Toronto's cool, really big city, man. Downtown, really big city, and uh, and you know the people there are super nice. But yeah, spent spent two days. So the first day was with Dan. The second day was kind of like a boot camp with uh, some other coaches. But but man, just getting away. Like I got a list, and this is my. I don't know if you can see it, but this is my condensed version. So like this is after I went through everything of all the stuff you know I went to tackle and or I want to tackle in the, the top, the top things I, I got were, um, you know, going deep with who I want to be a hero to and really focusing on that them and coming up with creative ways to serve them and be a hero. And the interesting thing is he talks about that heroes are usually like the words not used very much anymore. And the, when it is used, it's used in a reactive context, like, Oh, this happened. And this person, went out of their way to help this person. But how often are we actually proactively heroes to people? Like yesterday, I spent the better part of the day trying to figure out what are the dangers of my team? Like, what are they, what are the, th- the threats to their future? What are their, their best opportunities? What are their strengths? And then like figuring out how I can, you know, make them better, not to like pat, pat myself on the back or something, but without creating that space, like I I feel really energized that I'm in the space now where I can actually proactively think about impacting the future of people I care about, Mm -hmm. proactively, you know? Mm. Yeah. I'm always shocked by how much good comes from just taking the time to actually think and exercise that cognitive function. And yet there can be so much resistance to, to doing it. It feels entitled. It feels ambiguous. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. The creative act requires silence though requires space and the creative act is fundamentally what we do as entrepreneurs it was the first thing that we did by saying it will be it is not today but it will be that business that dream that vision that team that opportunity i'm just going to speak it into existence and it's dan that says that that's 80 percent of the value in in uh, the contribution to the business was just somebody just choosing to make it happen yeah yeah, it's powerful. And and going away, I mean, literally, I think the power is not even so much the content, although the content's great. It's just getting away, like the the plane ride, three or five hour plane ride, give or take, getting out there and then going over, what do I want to accomplish in the next 25 years? It's, it's like, how often do we usually look at one year 
And then we usually look at it one time a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So we actually looked at, you know, what kind of future do I want in 25 years? And what does that future look like? And man, that is super energizing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I I was looking at what I feel like I want to. And so you, you put a date down, you put 2029 to 2039. I'll be 46 to 56. I'm like 46 to 56. Okay. You know, I have pretty high goals at that point. <laughs> and I was like, and I don't even call them goals really, because I've been demotivated a lot by some of the financial targets and things like that. So that's actually a, a term I picked up to kind of refocus me around it and give it more energy for me, which is not so much a goal, but just a target. You know, a goal sometimes for me feels like, oh, I'm going to look at my goals every day and then I'm not going to be present and happy today because I'm not at my goal. <laughs> Whereas this is just a target, you know, it's just like, have I talked to you about that? Like I kind of gave up goal setting for a little while because I wanted, I felt like it was taking me out of the moment and kind of causing more gap, you know? Dude, I would love to talk about that. That's something I've been thinking about a ton. And I think that I know I feel it deeply and I feel like it infects all the entrepreneurs. It's driving. Uh, it's motivating. You know, your hunger pushes you on, but at the same time, it robs you of the present joy. It keeps you in gap gain and it causes you to objectify and commodify things like this relationship, this opportunity. It's, it can't just be what it is for its own sake. It, it, I can only view it and experience it in the context of what it could facilitate in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, the target I, 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 I resonate with a lot more because we need to be pointed somewhere, you know what I mean? And so the target points me somewhere and now I can just have fun and enjoy each day and not be like, this is my goal because until I'm at my goal, I'm not going to feel, feel good enough about it. Um, but, um, but yeah, man, the, the bigger future, you know, 10, 25 years from now. And, and that's the other thing that Dan's big on is giving people a 25 year framework to 10 X or hundred X, whatever you want to do. And that doesn't have to just be financial, but you know, a lot of times th- that quote, like we underestimate what we can do in, in like 20 years, but overestimate what we can do in one year. Yeah. So, so let's sit on goals versus targets, because this is really worth like, you always got to ask the question, are we rationalizing here? I think a big part of the challenge with goals is the general challenge of scoping. Scoping is like this fundamental, deep entrepreneurial skill set that most people miss and really undervalue. So is the challenge that the goal feels oppressive? Is the challenge that the goal was improperly scoped? I, I tend to think that if we were all better at scoping, it would cause us to create more useful goals that were closer <clears throat> to somewhere on that nexus from being easy to achieve, being a real stretch versus I'm not quite sure how this is actually possible, but I'm going to go after it anyway. You got to know where on that nectri- nexus you're at in relation to the goal that you committed to. And if you don't, then you just naturally commit to multiple goals that are impossible for you to achieve. But how do you think about scoping in relation to this? Break, break down scoping for me. Like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Scoping is the skill set that allows me to say, uh, using EOS, for example, this quarter, we're going to accomplish you know, five rocks. And I know that these things are actually doable based on 
my intentional assessment of the, of the past rate at which I can accomplish work. And if I don't have that, then I'm constantly committing. I'm constantly basically committing to 150%, which means I'm in a constant state of mm-hmm. dropping the ball and, and disappointment. Right. Yeah. I've been back and forth with that. Sometimes I sent, set really stretch goals and then you don't hit them and you feel less than, and that's actually not fun. Um, that's what's really cool about the daily. So each day I do top three things. There's a lot of people that teach this, but what are the top three things I need to do? And if I get those three things done, I win the day. And the idea behind that, are you going to take the day off after that? If you want, if you want to do more then you're just in bonus territory. And the idea behind that is why set up every day to fail where you have 20 things you have on your list and you never accomplish your 20. And then you feel like it's not a successful day. That's kind of how I felt a couple of years ago when I was setting these, when I heard about BHAGs and I'm like, Oh, got to set this huge goal. And then it's just like constantly we're not hitting the goal and it's just very demotivating. But there's some people that like to just push themselves and don't think you should really ever hit your target or hit your goal, so to speak. But I mean, where do you fall on that? What do you, what has your been, been your experience? Well, what, what I know, where I think I'm at right now, what I've observed is that I've had a couple of days that have felt like they've had somewhat of a distracted focus where I was overly eager to work on new things. And what I know about myself is that if I'm overly eager to work on some new thing that just came in my inbox, it means there's a lack of focus and the lack of focus is driven by a lack of a goal and and a goal could be a project, right? Like I love working on projects that have a finite start date and end date. There's a period of intensity and then it's over and it's done and I can move on to the next thing. So I've been on the cusp of kind of resisting some significant commitments that I know once I start these projects, they'll really have my full time and attention and suck me in. But uh, I'm I'm in that like in between state. So that's just something I know about myself is I can get distracted. Yeah. What I've noticed is when you're setting, when I'm working on long-term stuff, when we did this 25 year exercise, go all out. Like this is the vision that you're setting for your life. And it's got to pump a bunch of confidence and energy into your your life. And that's one of the big reasons for getting away is to get this energy. I came back with this bigger future that I didn't even think was possible that, you know, because it's just, you don't think about it as the entrepreneur. You don't sit down and schedule time with your most important client yourself um, to actually, <laughs> to actually think about this stuff. So, so I'd say go, I'm going all out. Like I put, you know, some big stuff down here, um, award-winning artists, hundred million dollar net worth, 10 million in cash flow, you know, a year. And at one point I, I would say, Oh, Steve, that's, that's really, uh, who do you think you are? Like that's, you know, <laughs> you don't deserve that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you don't deserve that. You're all, what are you money hungry? It's like, no, the money, because down the line I have give half of everything I make to charity. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, I used to say play small because you don't need this money. But the more I realized, no, the opportunity you can create if you actually can make that kind of money and you know, the service you can do is just really inspiring. So that was some of the money stuff, but, um, but you know, I don't, I'm not going to go down all the list, but, but when you bring it down to a quarterly focus, I think it's important to have a more realistic, measurable, you know, attainable goals so that you keep your confidence up because confidence Mm. is the most important thing that we have as entrepreneurs. We have to protect our confidence. Dan talks about that. And 
confidence is a superpower. If we're confident, we can achieve anything. And so, you know, just thinking about what makes you confident, how do you, how do you, everyone's different. Like some things that keep me confident are taking risks. Even if I mm-hmm. fail, like just the idea of taking a risk, keep make builds my confidence, um, physical stuff like surfing, yoga, um, writing songs, um, keeping negative people out of my life, things like that. So proactively looking at that and trying to work some of that into your day and your week um, to keep the confidence up. And, and that was probably one of the biggest things I got from the week uh, away in Toronto was I'm just jacked up with confidence, man. Dude, confidence is such a good one. I feel like this is related to the idea of wanting what you want. Could you just like give a brief breakdown on that idea? Yeah, I love that idea. It's basically <clears throat> as an, excuse me, as an entrepreneur, you know, you can want because you want or you want because you need. Now you want because you need, it's because you you have this need for it. Um, and when people ask you to justify things, you're like, oh, well, I need to achieve this or whatever. Wanting what you want comes when you, um, you know, have a certain level of success and you can just want something because you want it. Like you don't need to have an explanation for, um, for you know, the want essentially. So I think the corollary thought here related to to this and confidence is the transition of people going from a state of need and survival. So you think about like what existence was like 100, 200 years ago. There were some really good impulses around the Puritan work ethic, really uh, grinding, having less optionality in life, just being focused on survival. And my sense is that there's a lot of ideas there that have carried along with us far longer than they've actually been useful. And that's where that sense of guilt, like even when you said the thing about confidence, it's like, oh, well, you should just have confidence, you know, you just, mm-hmm. you just, you just do what you need to. But the, the truth is that Confidence is absolutely a fragile thing. The most successful people in the world, if you think about key athletes that uh, are in the NBA getting paid millions of dollars, they have a couple of bad games and now they're on a negative down streak. Well, you know, there's some of the most talented people possibly getting paid millions of dollars. And if they're still struggling with confidence, is that really going to be any different from people in our position? I think that wherever you're at, confidence is just about realizing that energy feeds on itself. Like I'm so clear on that. And that's what attracts me about the idea of a why in the business or the Joey Coleman customer experience stuff. When I can create joy in others and then experience the fruit of that coming back to me, it makes me want to create more joy in others. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of business that I personally want to run. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it, man. That's, that's inspiring. I've been, we're kicking back, uh, some manif- I've been working on manifestos in, in the three different buckets of my life, <clears throat> excuse me, in tribe, in good life, in music. And the reason I, I was doing that was just to get really clear on what's the, what's the golden thread? Like, what's the common theme in all three buckets? And what's the golden thread? And sitting with this and, and doing some, some work around it, what I really realized was that helping, well, first off, doing it myself, putting what lights me up at the forefront of my life and building around that is the common thread. And I think that's the human desire of all of us is to, you know, have something that fires us up and put that at the forefront of our life and nurture that as opposed to just either neglecting it or just finding random times to to do that. And so what you said, Jordan, about adding joy to people's lives that's that could be kind of what you're is that what you're kind of 
golden thread is in everything that you're doing, you think, or is it something else? Well, that's definitely a big part of it. Like I love adding value and I describe myself as wanting to be useful, but it's more than just like functional utility. I think it's, it's facilitating shift and transformation Mm. in other people in the same way that I've experienced in myself as a gift through other people. So uh, that's what it is for me. What is the, what makes you confident? What comes to mind for you? Speaking about things that I have lived and breathed and experienced, not just things that I've read about, um, giving people encouragement, positive feedback, pushing, pushing back, presencing myself around others and sharing my joy and enthusiasm towards others. That really, really gives me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. Like I want to walk into a meeting and lift up the spirits of the room, get people re refocused and, and thinking more laterally and exponentially rather than incrementally. Yeah. Did you ever do that core value exercise I sent? Mm -mm, I didn't. I I have a feeling one of your main core values is probably enthusiasm. It's possible. Yeah. I I, I value that quite highly. Yeah. Cause I always appreciate you do bring enthusiasm to, to our meetings, to our work, to, to other people. And, um, and it's really a bearing of the spirit. And I think it's important. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, brother. Vulnerability. That's a big part of it. I heard, I heard back to, back to Dan. I heard him talking about that on his new podcast that you told me about. What's the name of that one? Um, podcast powers podcast payoffs. Yeah. So I was totally digging that. I jumped on the first episode last night and the guy that he brought on came out of radio and the podcast is focused on basically podcasting, how to get juice from it. But one of the guys, one of the things that his co-host mentioned was that he knew Dan was doing it right when he heard an episode where Dan shared about an experience with his dad and how they went from a state of non-connection to connection and that act of vulnerability in the process of vulnerability, somebody has to go first, Mm -hmm. right? I love that idea. Like I want to be that person in the live of lives of others. And I want to experience what that calls out of me. I want to go through hard things. I want to be, um, I want to take my, my bruises and my lumps knowing it's all upside. I had a conversation with a family member, um, yesterday after like a, pretty extended time of, of this connection. And there was some, there was some feedback that I was working through, basically like some character feedback on my behalf that I was receiving. And I was resisting for a minute on the basis of like, this isn't just, this isn't equitable, this isn't whatever. And at some point I just had to get off of it and just like go back to the realization that my thesis in life is that I am wrong. I live in America. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. The only reason that I'm not more successful is because of the decisions that I'm making, which are a function of my thinking, which means that if I had more clarity on those things, I'd be moving in a much faster clip. So I have to be wrong and I have to identify those things in order to have the transformation that I want, which means it's time to shut up and listen. It doesn't matter if it's only half right or if it came in the right, uh, if it came in the right packaging or from the right person at the right time in the right way. Like it's all, it's all upside. So just receive it. You know what I mean? Dude. I feel you on that. That's really cool. <laughs> so your default is that you're wrong. That's a pretty powerful position. Um, 
I resonate with that, man. That most people would say uh, my default position is I'm right. <laughs> so I think it takes a level of introspection. Um, you know, when, and when we talk about success, we are like the re I'm the reason I'm not more successful. My ears perk up a little bit because it's funny. I still have this issue. It's not an issue because first off, I'm trying not to take my thoughts too seriously, but <laughs> when I go to this 10 X, man, there are some people there like a couple that are younger than I am that had pretty incredible businesses that I was like, dude, what am I doing wrong? Like you're freaking way cooler than me. But then I'm like success. And Jason helped Jason Goldberg helped me with this two things with this when we're ever feeling less than, because we all compare ourselves to other people. And he said, first off, would you do what that person did to achieve that? Would you trade? Like, what did that person have to do to achieve that? Probably like worked 16 hours a day, mm. other state, um, probably strained his marriage. Well, I don't know. I'm not saying strained his marriage, but let's just say working. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't do that. He's like, okay, well, there you go. Like, you wouldn't do that. And so the other thing is not to take our thoughts too seriously, have a more casual relationship with our thoughts. But the thing about success is there's a holistic approach to it. It's like, you know, are you living where you want to live? Are you able to take time off? Are you, you know, pursuing passion projects? So I don't know. I think I'd like to see a different conversation around success because success is 98% financial to everyone. When you say success, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I know that's worked. <laughs> and it's like, to be fair, like the guy, one of the guys um, I met that I just thought was cr killing it. And I had some like en envy for a, a little while, just like initially, like I would consider myself way more successful than, than him just in like a lot of regards that don't have to be financial. I, I'm hesitant to say that too. Cause I'm not trying to say like, Oh, I have to put myself that, but that's almost like more comparison and, and the ego making more ego shit. But like uh, <laughs> to beat my ego down with a bigger ego, I'm like, Hey man, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing great because I've got these other, you know, plate spinning on the success train but yeah man it's so like, yes yeah, so, so i think the not let's sum it up this way success is a very unclear opaque term that tends to default to optimizing and keeping score on a basis that is not going to lead to happiness and it's that disconnect that should cause us to be suspicious of it as a term and as a concept steve our next podcast is going to be on not taking your own thoughts too seriously a little bit of a weird idea, a little bit of a weird term, but I know we both subscribe to it. Um, bro, I'm super stoked to get in this one on the next episode. Yeah, let's do it, man. Have a good one. Peace. Did you enjoy this episode? Please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about joining the tribe, go to tribemastermind.com to understand why the best and brightest mastermind with us.